Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Amplify What You Love. This is the show where we explore how to transform the world around us using the power of our voice and our message. Socrates once wrote that education is the kindling of a flame, not the filling of a vessel. And today's guest has kindled the flame within thousands of students, viewers, and educators around the world. And I hope that a fire is lit within you today after hearing our conversation. Mr. Reynolds is a West Philadelphia High School literature teacher, author, YouTuber, and public speaker. In his book, Teacher Class Off, on his YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and on his podcast, Sunday Night Teacher Talk, Reynolds offers an authentic glimpse into what it looks like to teach high school in the inner city, while at the same time building pathways and pipelines to help new and veteran educators become the teachers that they're called to be. His bare bones teaching philosophy is simple. In the classroom, relationships are king, and education is only ever about the students. He's collaborated with some of the world's largest brands, and he's so generous with sharing what he loves and knows makes an impact in the world. So stick around for my conversation with The Real Rap with Reynolds. Welcome, welcome. It's so great to be here with you again. Yes, thanks so much for having me. So, you know, I wanted to just dive into the good stuff. I wanted to present to you a scenario if you're down to plays. Does that sound okay? Yeah, let's go. So you you have a massively successful YouTube channel. I've been following you for many years. You've helped me get through some of the first days of my classroom and some of the hardest days of my classroom experiences as as an educator. Um, And YouTube is kind of like just continuing to blow up people i talk to them every day they want to start channels so i'm curious if you had to start a youtube channel from scratch and you could not use any of your current brand recognition to do so i'm curious kind of like what would you do what would your mindset be and how would you go about doing it for me uh in education just as in business i think it's about remembering that your ordinary is someone else's extraordinary right so it is what is what are you authentically doing and how are you doing it and putting out all the pieces, right? The hard stuff, the easy stuff, the the stuff that is like you really worked hard on the failures. I think that authenticity piece is often missing from social media. And so it's this total white space that we can tap into because although like, look, I don't know very many other people in the YouTube teacher space anyway, that are the same age as me, that look like me, that teach in the same kind of space as me. Like there, there are no, there's almost no high school teachers out there, period. Um, there's no old white dudes out there, you know? So it's just like, it is looking at who you are specifically and then diving into that. Because what, you, what you're going to do in that space is you're going to find someone that connects with your stories, right? So it doesn't have to be like, um, like the same exact thing that I'm doing, but it is, Someone that feels like they're teaching in a neighborhood that they didn't grow up in. Someone that's te- that is um, maybe started a little bit later in life as an educator, right? I didn't start teaching until I was 27, which at that time felt like I was 
basically 90. Um, but it was like, what if this was your second career? And that has been the thing that has brought people together from all over the world to, to what we're doing. And then that real authentic piece. I am not afraid to talk about anything um, in the classroom or online. And so it is, but it's, that's my voice. So I think that's, that's one of the big things is like, you know, you're, you're already great. Just be great out loud. Be great out loud. I think that's uh, if you haven't already like used that and things, that's a really useful way to encapsulate everything you're saying. So you said you shared that quote, one person's ordinary is another person's extraordinary on our last interview. And it it kind of transformed my perspective and outlook. I've shared it a ton with people. Nice. It is a very encouraging message to know that just by being ourselves, just by sharing what we love, by sharing who we are, what makes us unique, even if it seems mundane and, and oh, like obvious, or why would anyone care about this? It's like those things actually can be gems for other people. And we just have no concept of it. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's sort of um, a, a sort of like talking about our positioning and our niche and, and, and what sets us apart, our unique value proposition. Is there any tactical things you would do differently, especially starting in 2022 when it comes to starting a YouTube channel? I mean, I think the way there's probably a lot of faster ways to kind of grow. And there's just like stuff we didn't know about. Right. So we did it super grassroots where it was going online and never, never pushing our content. Right. But we would literally go on, spend, I mean, my wife would spend eight to 10 hours a day on Twitter, um, looking up like hashtag teacher problems and then finding someone, some lone soul that two, three days ago had the worst day of their life in the classroom, put it out there on Twitter and no one said anything to them. Like not even their mom, like, like said, I'm really sorry, honey. Um, so it was us going on and saying, that's, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Um, if there's ever anything you, we can do, like, please let us know. I've been through that before sharing a little bit of my story and then just putting it out there, which always makes people go, who the hell is this? Like hit me up in, in like my DMS or, or on Twitter. And then they follow the rabbit trail and then they come back to you. And then they are, you, you cared for them in a moment when like they felt lonely and, and lost. And that's not like a ploy to get people to follow you either. It's like what we want to do. We want, we want to, to love people. And so um, that's part of it. But then I've just learned things like, like how important, like your email, like I never got anyone's email, but your email list is, is the most important thing. Like you take any of these masterclasses that are online, it all comes down to like having the email, because if you do have to start over, you have the email list to go to, right? Like when Vine dried up, there's a lot of people's careers that dried up with that thing too, right? When Snapchat, when Kylie Jenner told us all that Snapchat wasn't cool anymore, um, that, you know, there, there are people who like lost their career. So I think that email list is uber important too, and then um, I think I just do more like I, I, I sweated content too. And I still do this to a degree, right? Like I like putting out really good stuff. Um, but I'll tell you some of the videos that hit with folks are the one when I'm just sitting here and I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm just going to put this out there and then it hits. And um, so I think I would do more of that. I would take more chances um, and, and just see what happens with it. Really valuable. I, I totally agree with all of that. I help people start podcasts and, and also YouTube channels. And one of the things and just even social media accounts like TikToks, 
And one of the things that's so odd is that sometimes the things that blow up, you spent less than five minutes creating and the mm -hmm. things that don't do so well are ones that you poured your life and soul into. And so effort doesn't always mean that it's going to be successful and it being easy doesn't always mean it's not going to be. But at the same time, what you were sharing about the work that goes into it, I think that's still there. I also think that what you were doing by researching or your wife was doing by like finding people with real issues and sort of solving their problem in a sense by sharing the resource um, is really valuable in general as like a uh, research investi investigative process that we could yeah. all do in our niche, in our industry to kind of understand what people are actually dealing with. And that'll help us position our content, but it's also a great organic way to, to slowly build that following that you, that you've built on YouTube, which is extraordinary and full of an amazing classroom sort of curious is the audience different because you also have a podcast sunday night teacher talk which you also stream to youtube is there any difference in how you think about your audience of just the youtube channel versus the podcast or are they kind of the same no not right now i mean it's you know we had a sense of like what we thought like when we started the channel I thought I knew who was going to show up. I thought I knew who what my audience was, right? So like we were real, got real clear on like, you know, um, like in, in a lot of courses, they tell you like, d like figure out who your avatar is, right? Who and what, or what are their problems and, and how are you helping them? And so we were creating content that we thought was for either college students or first year teachers. But what we found was that there were all these other people that kind of like felt burnt out from teaching, felt there had no balance between work and life that felt like um, there, there was there was all of this other the, all these other people out there that were that were showing up. And we were like, oh, we, we can make stuff for all of this. And so what we found was that it was a much wider audience. The, the whole reason we have like so many different things happening. Right. It was like the book and YouTube and Instagram and and live feeds and podcasts is um, really because we found out that, and like, this was one of those things I should have known better in, in the beginning, but like Facebook people don't go on Instagram. Like YouTube people might not be on um, listening to podcasts and podcast people aren't coming over to watch my live on Twitter, on, on Twitter. And so we wanted to go where people were and not like try and funnel them into like where we wanted them to be like i have family members that are they still have zero idea how you make money on youtube and why you would put anything on there like isn't that for cat videos and like basically how to install ceiling fan and yes both those things exist there but it was um so the message is always the same it's just trying to get it to as many places as possible because you're going to where people are and and that's what i want to do that is a really great point. Not everyone is everywhere. And so if your goal is to reach as many people as possible, especially in today's social media, just craze and, and the amount of content, it's like you do kind of need to be everywhere. You need to have that omnipresence. And so that that's really valuable. And I, I would so, you know, we we both know teachers do not get paid enough. They're not making the kind of salary that is needed to sustain like a full family and a healthy lifestyle and for all the work and all the crazy hours on their last, on our last conversation, I think we were talking earlier, you're talking about hours and, and how you have to have boundaries with how long you work. So 
Since they don't get paid enough, I'm curious, first of all, what inspired you to kind of take matters into your own hand and bring the entrepreneurial spirit into the classroom? Because I don't think everyone realizes that that's even something they could do, that they could sub, they could sort of uh, element or they could uh, increment their salary by doing sort of a side hustle thing that isn't divorced from what they're doing in the classroom. So how did that idea come about? So when we, when I started teaching my first year teaching, um, and I look, I, I don't say this, this isn't a flex at all. Uh, but cause some people are not even making this much money. I made $31,000 a year, but living in Philadelphia, that's nothing. I mean, like that is, that, that is not nearly enough. And then in the summer, I didn't get paid from June 15th to September 15th, right? Which means there were no paychecks coming through. And so I had to figure out ways to supplement my income, or supplement my income, to like not keep from losing my house, really. So I worked four jobs in the summer. Um, it, like on a given, any given day, I was working more than one job. And so, and they were all like labor intensive. It was like working for a, company that literally dug holes under houses and put foundation anchors in. So I would get lowered by crane into a hole with a rope attached to me in case it collapsed so they could pull me out. Um, and then I would just dig these holes. And then I was like working at Home Depot as a handyman. I was like mowing lawns. I was doing all this other stuff. And at, you know, after we created the YouTube channel just for fun and we realized like we could make money at this, I was like, how, how did I know? Like I could have just been like, like how my students would tell me, like, just stay in your bag, right? Stay in your lane. Do, what can I do that's in my lane? Mm -hmm. But I knew I wasn't like a TPT person. Like, I don't, I don't have pretty resources. Um, and we're creating resources now, but I had to hire somebody to say, here's my, here's my ugly resource. Can you make this look cooler? Um, but it was then, you know, we got to a point for, for real. And I, I've rarely, if ever talked about this, where, um, my kids have a lot of, uh, without putting them out there, there are a lot of needs for my for my children, right? And so there were doctor's visits that needed to happen for my kids. There was a point where I I took a bet and I paid for doctor's bills and paid for, op for services for my kids and didn't pay my mortgage. And that ended up biting me in the ass. And I my house went into foreclosure. Oh, wow. And I remember... Going to work one morning, my wife was crying on the couch and she's sitting there looking at this paperwork and she's like, how, what are we going to do? Like, we just can't work enough hours to be able to do this. And I remember telling her before I walked out the door, um, I'm going to make YouTube work, right? That's it. And so that became like, then it became out of necessity. Like I had to make this work. Um, and I wasn't even sure how to do that, but then it was like getting really, really focused in on like, all right, this has to work and then making it happen. But, um, now on the flip side of that, I see like, gosh, we could have been doing this all along and like really like affording a life that we wanted to give to our kids instead of like just scraping along all the time and counting change. And I mean, we used to, we used to take napkins from the Chinese food joint across the street when we'd order out. Cause we ran out of toilet paper cause we were, we were so broke. Um, and this was a way to, to change that. Wow. Uh, that's really inspiring and tragic to just think that we as a country aren't figuring out a way to change that. And just for the listeners, if you didn't understand what TPT was teachers paying teachers, I'm assuming, which is like yeah. re making, re sharing your resources as a teacher with other teachers so that they don't have to rewrite lesson plans and activities and, and all that. Right. And 
Um, what's interesting is that you sort of turned you you've you are doing that in a way, but in a more like pedagogy way in a in a larger scope in in the way that you teach in the way that you show up with your because you're role modeling you're you demonstrate in your videos a different way of being and i think a lot of us when we go into the classroom for the first time or even the 80th time um there's like a lot of nervous system dysregulation to deal with you know there's yep. a lot of of stuff that the kids bring in there's a lot of stuff we bring in and then we all get into a room together and we have to follow the the guidelines that we you know we have to get them ready for the test and re ready for the you know their life in college and all this stuff and so there's a lot that goes on and you bring so much joy you show on your channel how you make it fun how you engage and kind of like going back to the socrates quote that uh, i started it with you really kindle flames in your students and so you know i know that you you've had a recent transition maybe you could share a little bit about like this next evolution, this next step in your journey um, yeah. as being a teacher and now kind of uh, entering the global classroom even more fully. Yeah. So let, so after COVID hit the end of 2020, we lost 60% of our teachers from our school. And a lot of that were like my core group of individuals that like we worked on everything together. Those are the folks that like anyone that's in education knows that there's a meeting that always happens after the meeting. And sometimes it's just to complain, but most of the time that was like, like, okay, this is what they want us to do, but this is what we know is really going to work. So this is what we're going to figure out. Here's how we're really going to help this kid or this group of individuals. And so that, that evaporated for me. Most of those folks left because um, there was a number of like, like leadership changes that were happening and things that were coming down, down. It was like, it was like game of Thrones. It was like winter is coming and everyone jumped ship. Right. So after last year, I think the statistic right now is at the folks that started in my school last year, by June of, by the end of school last year, 95% um, of those people left. We had all new administration came in and it was horrendous. I mean, I mean, horrendous on like, folks are just changing grades out of nowhere. Someone had a 4% because they never came to school and they passed with 80. And we're not really sure how that happened. Like all sorts of like um, really unethical practices started happening where we weren't on mission. And so as that was going on, I just am watching in my Facebook group. Um, the There's over 5,000 people in our Facebook group. They're really incredible folks. And the folks were just leaving like crazy. And so my wife and I just started thinking about it and praying about it and wondering like, what could we do to help with teacher retention? And so I was talking to one of my mentors and he's like, maybe this is a time in your life where you're not meant to just harvest fruit anymore. You're just meant to plant trees. Mm. Right. So like, what if we showed in full time um, what it would look like for teachers to actually not just survive the school year, but thrive in the school year, how to show up and like, real, like I love, teaching. I love my life. I like, I have a really wonderful life that I get to live. Um, how can I help folks to, to do that in their own right? And so last year I resigned from my position and now I'm doing this work full time, um, which is a little bit nerve wracking, just a little bit. Um, but you know, there's been a few things in my life, dude, I'll tell you that I felt like I knew exactly when that was put on my plate 
that this is what I was supposed to do. Like when I got married, I was like, damn, this is exactly like, there was no fear. There was no trepidation there at all. When I bought my house and lived in the, I live in a pretty tough neighborhood, but like when we moved here, it was like, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. And this is one of those moments where I'm just like, nope, this is a hundred percent what I'm supposed to be doing. And so we have been going full tilt um, in this. So it went from a part-time job or something like that, actually closer to a full-time job for the last six years. And now it's just full tilt this that's what we're doing right now it's really inspiring and really courageous and you know i want i want to kind of go deeper into now where you are now but before we we leave sort of the brick and mortar school building i'm curious what do you want school administrators and then and and district even administrators to know more than what do they need to know more than anything so, you know, it's different everywhere, but one of my, a friend of mine told me recently that she put it a really good way. She teaches at a really small, small school in Indiana and through COVID, like through the online learning process and then coming back from that, there was a, her school put a lot of focus on social, emotional care for students. Right. And she said this year, she went back for her first professional development meeting. And it was like, they got punched in the face with everyone's favorite word, which is rigor and it's like they like it was like all right everyone must be they're all these kids are all better now uh we'll just jump back into like being rigorous in the classroom and i think that one social emotional is ongoing forever and ever and ever right and when we don't we have unhealthy adults um rigor i think people have that word twisted right it's meeting kids where you are where they are and then bringing up to to as close as where they can be to, to finding success. Right. So it's like, it's not, you know, I had kids last year that were in, had a kindergarten reading level in the ninth grade. I went to the special education department. I asked about this and they said, we don't have a program to help these kids. Well then, and, and they said, and we're, we're our college prep school. They just need to rise up. Yo, if you're on a kindergarten reading level, like you don't even know how to rise up. You've been, you've been screwed by the system your whole life. So we, we need to, the buck stops here. We need to figure out a program. We need to figure out a way to help this young person to really find success. Otherwise we're just setting them up for disaster. And so I think that it's those two things coupled. It's the social emotional piece. It's married with this reimagining of what rigor even looks like. And then I think it's really treating teachers like the professionals, right? Like we all like we're grownups, man. Like I'm, I'm grown. I do. I do my homework. I know what I'm about. I know what my kids are about. I know how to get them to where they need to be um, and who to work with on my time. I'm a, a one man army here. It's like creating my, my crew strategizing and then implementing how we're going to help students out. And I think teachers are having that slowly, but surely stripped away from them, that autonomous piece of being able to go for this kid, this is what I need to be able to do. And so that autonomy is scary to a lot of teachers, but damn, yo, for some of us, like it is freeing. Then, you know, you can take what class trips can I have? Who can I invite into my classroom? Like, where can we, where in the building can we even go to like introduce the content? Like, are we going into the basement? Are we going into the field? Are we walking down the block to an alleyway? And there's, I tell teachers this all the time. And I have folks that are like, can't do like what like you can't leave the school you can't go outside like or you can go outside but you have to put in a permission form and then you find out in three weeks and it's like what like i'm t you know we have not to go on too long about this but we have this idea of teach like a dj and when, there's a reason we still hire djs for weddings and events such as that and don't just play a playlist because a dj reads the audience and when you're playing something and you thought 
living on a prayer was going to be a great job. You do a great job and crush it at this wedding and it clears the dance floor. You got to know when it drops some Montel Williams, you know, this is how we do it because that's the, that's the jam is going to bring everybody back to the dance floor. You have to be able to read your room and we're taking away teachers ability to read the room and to do what's necessary for those kids. Um, if you want a playlist, just have kids learn on a platform instead or something like that. But I'm hearing so many great things in here. So one of the things, the autonomy piece is is also a good leadership role. Is like when you're a leader, so in this case, the school administrators, when you're in a leadership role, one of the best things to do is to listen and to learn from the people you're working with and get yeah. their opinion and also give them the autonomy to innovate, to uh, to explore and to bring new ideas up, right? And not just this top-down thing. And then the other thing is treating teachers like professionals. Again, kind of this autonomy thing is treating them as like the class is their, is their domain to, to work in. And obviously there's go- school-wide goals and school-wide regulations and needs, but still it's like that teacher is going to have so much more intel and understanding like the DJ. They're going to be able to read the room yeah. in a different way. And so it sounds like, um, going back to the emotional, social intelligence piece, that that is sort of being maybe left aside now. We're like, oh, we're out of the pandemic. No one needs emotional, social support anymore. We just need to be rigorous in our yeah. studies. Is that is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, it, not and not at every school, right? Like I have friends, like my buddy, Dave Dunsavage teaches, he's an assistant principal in Pennsylvania and he's like incredible. Like that's his focus, right? But the diff, the shift is, when we remember that education is only ever about students, right? Then we're looking at kids. We're not just looking at test scores and how who's getting into what college. Um, and I think a lot of these decisions are made out of fear because we're mm-hmm. afraid that, you know, like, oh my gosh, building relationships with students, that's scary. What if kids start thinking you're their friend? Well, then there's ways to handle that. There's ways to handle like certain aspects. But even if we don't get away from it, we make it these cold programs like, you know, we, we lost four young men at our school last year, got shot during, during to gun violence, right? Just four in just last year. Um, and they always bring in these counselors, but the kids don't want to talk to the counselors, right? Like the kids want to talk to the teachers that they are already in relationship with. Right. And so that's just a simple way of looking at like, can we clear space in teachers' schedules um, where they are able to meet with young people that are going through pain, at least in an emergency situation like that? And I think that it is, it's really just stepping back and looking at it with a full heart um, and figuring out what teachers might need and what young people might need, because then you're just going to get to that place. You're just going to be successful when you handle, when you're, you know, it's, it's, it's Maslow's hierarchy. When your basic needs are met, the sky's the limit after that. And so I think that's where, that's where we need to start. Powerful stuff. So when, you know, you, you, you have all these different offerings and, and ways that new and veteran teachers alike can kind of get some more support from all the work that you've done and all the uh, investigations you've done into growing brands and growing your business around your, your love, you know, what you love doing, what inspires you. How, how are some ways people can get connected with your network, with the work you do and and kind of get help because it, it is it is kind of crazy how many teachers are leaving schools and it shows a lack of support and a lack of resources. So, yeah. So our, our goal is, look, I mean, 
there's a couple of things here. One, we think that teaching is a communal activity. You can't do it by yourself, right? I think a lot of teachers go into schools and they want to be like the one and it's like, good luck. Um, I, I just think that like dancing by yourself is, is a lot lonelier um, than dancing with your friends. And so it's creating community is something that I think we've done a pretty good job of. So our Facebook group has over 5,000 educators in it. There are no businesses. There's no one selling you anything. And I mean, somebody might drop a, a post in there and they're going to get like 43 comments to that. Right. Which is like, and which, and it's, it is, it's, it's not your school community in there. So like what it allows you to do is like ask questions somewhat anonymously and get answers, right? Where you don't have to be embarrassed. Our live feed that turns into our podcast we do on Sunday nights um, is meant to meet folks on the day that is the most terrifying for educators, which is Sunday before you go back to school on Monday and you had a horrible day Friday and you don't know who to ask at school and you don't know how to deal with that kid and you don't know how to deal with that parent and your lesson fell apart last week and oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? It's creating a safe space for teachers to explore and express who they are, what they think and what they feel, and then meet others along the way that might be able to help them. One of the things in business and in life that I learned that, man, if I did it all over again, it's look for coaches. It's look for people that have already been, they already figured it out. What am I recreating the wheel for? And so the, you know, we're trying to meet people in a very real way with very tangible, real tactics that they can take back and implement immediately. So that looks like, the book. It looks like mentoring that I do one-on-one -on -one mentoring with folks. It's, it's workshops that we do with people. And even the workshops are things that I go to the Facebook group and say, what should the next workshop be on finding out what people want and then creating it. And then that has been incredible, like unbelievable in, in, in our last, I, especially the last year and a half, two years in our business. It's amazing. And I'll make sure to put the links there. So you have you, you have the Facebook group, obviously, the YouTube channel and the podcast is an, an enormous resource. And it sounds like you also do one-on-one uh, -on -one and different kinds of coaching um, options for people who would like to work with you more. Because I definitely, you know, I, that was what originally inspired me to reach out to you in the first place was wanting to get to be one of the people in your classroom, you know, like I wanted to actually be there. So it was great yeah. to get to hop on and talk to you and ask you questions. So I, I definitely recommend everyone check out those links that I will put in the show notes, wherever you are tuning in, whether you're listening on the podcast or you're watching on YouTube or mm -hmm. you're tuning in on LinkedIn, I'll make sure to add all of these links here. So now kind of coming back to this transition that you went through and this idea of like work life balance, because it sounds like you started to design your future and the way you wanted your life to be even even more intentionally um, and even more empowered. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about that work-life balance. It's something I'm hearing coming up sort of as the flip side to burnout. So burnout is sort of, oh, you've gone too far. Work-life balance is definitely not there, right? And work-life balance is the is the requirement to not burn out. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about your process with that because I know we all could use more focus on that. So I think, look, this is such a buzz term, like this idea of work-life balance. But one of my friends, uh, this guy, Alex Kajitani, who's a teacher, speaker, and writer out in California, um, told me one time, he goes, yeah, our family doesn't do balance. Our family does rhythms. Mm -hmm. And I love that so much because it just made me think like, um, like I, I grew up, I'm, I'm a drummer since the fourth grade, right? So 
there are, if you look at a piece of music, I love that idea of like, it can slow down. It can speed up. There are moments when it's loud. There was moments when it's quiet, but there's like this rhythm to it instead of regimented, like, uh, and look, I have a lot of, I, there's a lot of discipline in my life, but it was, it was figuring out that rhythm piece was so important to me, even that language. And then, you know, I, I heard on some podcast recently, like in the last couple of years, I can't remember whose it was, but they talked about this idea of designing your life and how most of us, we grow up, we get a job and then we design like our life happens around our work, right? They're like these two separate entities. And then what happens when they're out of balance? Because work is asking you for so much or it requires so much, especially teachers, right? Like I used to go into school at six in the morning um, and stay till 730 at night because I loved it. But then I had no time. I wasn't giving my, you know, at that time, my girlfriend any time. And then later my wife and then my kids would see me, but not get the best of me, right? Because I was giving it all at work and then coming home and they got 50% of dad instead of whatever. Um, so we, we really, my wife and I, got a piece of poster board and we just designed, we just wrote out like, well, what do we want? Like, what would we want our life to look like? So how would I want to feel on day from day to day? How would I want to like, what kind of car do we want to have? Cause at the time we had this car that had to get fixed. Like I swear we had the mechanic like at once a month at least um, with like no air conditioning and like one window didn't work. Like I'd like to have a car that all the windows work and I could put on the air conditioning and it would feel lovely. Um, how, like, so what do I want to do in my extra time? How do I feel in my extra time? How many times a week do I want to go out with my wife and hang out? Cause we were doing no hanging out except for like basically dead on the couch at night for an hour before my, you know, I went to bed. So it was designing this life and then plugging it in, right? Like getting the Google calendar out and plugging in all the things that were non-negotiables. So in, and this uh, one, like, for instance, one that's just happened since maybe January, December, we instituted date night, every Friday's date night, no matter what I go on a date with my wife every Friday night and um, we go out somewhere and it's just us every once in a while, the kids will come along. Um, but for the most part, it's just us. And sometimes it's bringing friends. And then it was like, like, I want alone time with just my daughter. So it's like, yo, how about every Tuesday after school? Like we go out and do a little something. So maybe like we go skateboard, like um, I'm the, I, look, I don't know a lot of 45 year old dads that like go out and buy skateboards, but like, I just bought a new board the other day. Um, and it's like, I'm getting a skateboard because my kids are into it, right? I know more about Fortnite than any other 45-year-old man that I know because that's what my son is into. And so I play Fortnite with my kids and it's like, it's, but it's creating the time to do it. And that can seem cold, but like having your kids on the schedule, but it just means you're not going to, I'm not going to schedule something else over it, right? So when you reach out and you're like, I want to do a podcast, it's like, all right, where can I fit this in? Because I've like there's all this non-negotiable time, but then I can do it and every, no one's bothered me. No one's coming back here and asking me questions because they know after this, we are going to the skate park. We mm -hmm. are going to play miniature golf and then we're going out to dinner tonight, right? So they know that time's coming. Dad needs to do work now. And I'm telling you, man, it has friggin' changed my life more than almost anything. It's one of my top three things that has changed my life in the last two years, 100%. So putting 
designated time in the calendar for for everything for the things we love for the things we have to do for just just actually designing the way that our days will go with uh, with that much more intentionality is sort of what i'm envisioning is that correct yeah it's the old like it's when jocko willing says like discipline equals freedom it is i know what time i'm getting up i know how i'm starting my day so then i'm on 11 when i walk into the school building um because that tends too low it is Knowing that, like, um, I thinking about things like, like, what did you like to do when you were young? Right. Like what, what like lit you up? And, and then the fact that you don't do those things anymore. So I don't play drums anymore, but I'll tell you what, I'm starting a band this fall, um, called Hey Girl. And it's, uh, it's all sultry jams. I'm, it's like, we're going like full Commodores and like four tops and like, um, because it's fun. And because it fills me up. And then when I'm filled up, I can pour so much more into the people around me, into the business around me, into my family around me, because I'm so excited. And I just had a great band practice, but it's on the calendar to be able to go and do that. And so that I'm telling you, it's a game changer, man. And it's fun. It's fun to dream up the life you want. Then you start implementing things and it works and you're like, oh, snap, what else can we do? How else can we optimize what we're doing? And it, it's exciting. I get I get So if you're watching this right now, if you're watching this in the future, if you're listening to it in the future, maybe one way you could you could start to implement this is look at the next week or two of your life and just design it the way you'd want. If if you got to make up any schedule that you wanted, obviously you have responsibilities, but you know, around that and with that, like schedule your life the way you want. And and from what Mr. Reynolds is saying, schedule the things that you love doing too, and make sure that that gets as just as much priority as the dental visit, you know, or just as much as the DMV visit that playing with the kids or, you know, going outside and doing something you love or seeing friends is scheduled in because also one of the things is will it takes calories and willpower to think about what to do. We literally spend energy trying to decide what to do. And so if we can have that intentionality ahead of time and be strategic about it, we are saving time, we're saving energy, and and then we can pour that into the people around us. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. That's super exciting that you that you've kind of locked on to this new way of structuring your life. And so now as you move forward, I'm I'm kind of curious, who would you be super stoked to collaborate with and why? Oh my gosh. Um, I think going forward with regards to business, I mean, I've just, I've had such great opportunities to, to meet with folks. I, I don't know. Here's, here's what I can say is that um, the one person that immediately comes to mind uh, in the education spaces, I think Casey Morris is doing really amazing stuff. She runs this uh, program called C I think it's CEO teacher. Um, and she's already like, I. she's a friend. I know her. I call her about stuff, but like we never have done anything business wise together. I think rather than a specific person I'm thinking about, it's what I've shifted is the kind of people that I'm getting down with. Right. And that's something I've been somehow intuitive about in my life. I've always had really good friends. I've rarely had like a bad friends. Um, and I know that does, doesn't come easy because I've like growing up, my wife picked like the worst friends. Um, And so it is being super mindful of the kind of people that I'm around. And so there are big names that I love, like Rob Dyrdek and Ed Milet and like Tom Bilyeu and all these folks. I listen to their podcasts and watch their shows and stuff. Um, 
But through the work that I've gotten to done to do, it's I just keep meeting people that no one's ever heard of, but they're like living great lives. They're in the fun stuff. They like really, really love their spouse and they really love their kid and are about being a dad uh, or, or a mom. Um, that they're always doing you, you know, every once in a while, like you have a friend, I, I met up with a friend recently that I haven't seen in five years. Right. And so we go out to a diner here in Jersey and uh, I go, Hey man, like, what have you been up to? And you know he said, he goes, uh, you know, nothing, nothing really, bro. What? Like it's been five years. What do you mean? Nothing. And, but life can be like that sometimes, right? You get into the, you get into your role and for him, that wasn't a big deal. Like he, he liked his, his rhythm, his flow, and he's been doing the same thing for a lot of years. And that was good for him. But man, I love when you haven't seen someone for a hot minute, even if it's two months and you're like, what have you been up to? And they're like, Oh my God. And they just ex- explode with excitement. And they're like, Oh man, I've started doing this. And I tried doing this and I'm on this new diet and I'm doing this new exercise. And I have this new like fun thing I do after school. And that stuff is so exciting to me that it's, those are kind of people, the kind of people that I want to be around. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to forget the, the quote, but there's a Jack Kerouac quote around that, um, where it's like, I want to be around people that are like basically fireworks that are always, you know, they're just excited about life. And I, that is, that's like almost borderline addictive because you're, because you want to find those folks. Um, and once you start seeing you, once you start, they're on your, they're out there, you just start seeing them more and more and more. And then you start connecting and yeah, because the, we're, we're the sum total of the people we, you know, the five people we spend our time with that there is an, in ancient Vedic culture, there's this idea of sadhu sangha or being in community with the great ones, with great people. And it has a, uh, infectious in the best use of the word in an infectious uh, aspect to it, whereby spending time with those people, that's what coaching is, right? Or like in, in NLP, you have this idea of modeling or, you know, like intentionally trying to copy certain aspects or elements of someone to try and be more like them. And the simplest way is to just be friends with people who are in a, in a flow in a rhythm that you are also trying to achieve or are achieving. And so I think that's yeah. so important. And it also made me think a little bit because you, you know, you and your partner, your wife, you've, you've built a business together, you work together. And I'm wondering if you have any tips for people who want to maybe they're either want to work with their partner, or they are working with their partner, but maybe it can, you know, can be hard. I've heard different people have issues like trouble making that work because you're spending a lot of time. So is there any like gold nuggets you could share with the audience about working with your significant other? Yeah. So I mean, I've been with my wife since my senior year of high school. Right. And it has 100% been this. Right. Um, now we are at this really incredible space where, like, um, the problem is, is hanging out too much. Right. The problem is the 30 minute meeting in the morning that was just coffee in the back garden talking about stuff turns into an hour and could really go all day. I mean, like, we never run out of stuff to talk about. Um, and part of that has been, you know, I think this, some of the shifts have been like, uh, we, we took this, um, we took this assessment. Here's a really good, good way to kind of see this. We took this, uh, like personality assessment the other day called the disc assessment, D I S C. And it's 14 questions. And all it is, is you take like different words and you're going to put them in order of what you're most like, and then in descending order. 
And we got a 22 page report back from this thing. Right. And it shows you all this stuff about who you are. So, you know, I think one of the things that it made us really talk about is we really are committed to this idea of like, I love you for who you are, not for who I want you to be. Right. That's like, that's like basic level of like, I love, so if you don't like that, your husband is a slob, um, but you know, he has zero organizational ability. It's like getting mad at someone for not being able to do something that you can't do. The other thing is um, that we learned through that assessment is like, is it kind of just confirmed like who we are. Right. So like I am, I can go to any bar, any party with no friends. And I'm going to walk out with a handful of friends and phone numbers and people I connected <laughs> with. Right. I've like, I just, I have no problem. My wife, zero chance there. She is like in the corner um doesn't really want to talk to everybody so like so she never wants to be on youtube right it, it's how we work so it's loving people for who they are not for who we want them to be but we also have this like ongoing kind of competition of out loving one another so i know what you need i know that when we're at the party and i'm shooting shit with everyone I'm like hanging out and like being like me um and this is like filling me up with life I can see my wife, but what does she need from me? Does she need me to just come over and, and stand next to her or hold her hand to do whatever? No, what she know, what I know that she needs is me to just at least visually check in with her every once in a while, like a, you good? All right. Or grab her a drink from the bar or just check in with her. And so it's knowing how the other person wants to and needs to be loved and then loving them in that way. And then I think the other thing is, do we are so ridiculously silly um, that we're in, we're in the food store yesterday and some song came on that me and my daughter and my wife love. And we just had like a little dance party for like 10 seconds in the cereal aisle um, just cause it's silly. But we do that kind of stuff all the time. Like um, we dance in the car. We, we just, it's, it's finding out, look, I, we just love love. And so it's like, it's trying to figure out ways um we're like, how can I out love her? So like when she gets up in the morning, I like make coffee and then I set out the mugs. I write a little note. I'll get like a flower sometimes from the garden. This doesn't take, this isn't long. I didn't like have to go buy flowers. I already like gardening. It's like, takes 10 seconds to walk outside, snip something, bring it in, put it in a little vase or just put it on the counter. Um, and it's just like that. That's how we start our day. That Those are some of the things that we do to kind of like keep it fresh. Sir, you just dropped some extreme, extraordinary, <laughs> inspiring, beautiful wisdom. Um, I I love studying relationships. I love studying people who are in thriving long partnerships. And I just think that what you just shared there is so valuable. Uh, potentially the most valuable thing we talked about today, even like the, that that could be applied to every realm, every relationship in our life. And so as we as we wrap up here, Mr. Reynolds, if I could give you a microphone for, that was blasting to the entire planet because I don't have an audience quite that size yet, but one day, but, but let's pretend that, that, that I did, what would you want them to hear most of all? You know, Oh my gosh. Um, no pressure. <laughs> I think it is this, what, one of my favorite things in, in the last few years is like, is it's that it's that lifestyle design. It's really looking at and creating a life that you want to live. Um, and 
then slowly implementing that. It doesn't have to be everything all at once, right? Like I, I, I am an everything all at once kind of person. Um, I never want to stop moving. I always love doing more and more stuff. Um, but it is like, it's the Tim Ferriss idea of rigging the game to win, right? So like in January, it was, we're going to go on a date every Friday night. Then we listed out a handful of places that we could go to. So we don't have to think about it on Friday night. Um, and sometimes it's the same place four weeks in a row. There's this great little restaurant around the corner from our house. It looks like cheers. Um, it's like really, it, it's adorable. And so we just go in there and have drinks and like have some appetizers and that's it. And we just talk, but it's, it's starting to cement some of these things in um, so that you are living a life that you want to live, that you're happy about, that is filled with going from thing to thing, to thing that you love doing. And that just seems that even in my mind, that's so fun. And that's taking any, anything on, like, don't put anything on that, that you're like, yeah, but I can't, I, but we can't afford to go to Costa Rica. And it's like, but what if you could, like, what would that look like? Because I've looked in the houses in Costa Rica and it is like, you can stay there for half my mortgage payment for a month. And it's only 300 extra dollars to have a cook for the whole month. Like what, bro? What? Like, so when you start traveling down these rabbit holes and dreaming it out, then maybe you, maybe you, figure out you can't do that, but what can we do? What kind of life do we want? And so that to me is, is fun. It's inspiring. It gives you hope. It gives you something to move into. Um, like having a date on Friday nights. I love like, so we do two dates in a week. We do, I go to the movies every Tuesday cause it's the $6 movie night. Um, and it's just me and my wife. I'm stoked on, on when it's like, uh, everyone else is lamenting Monday. I'm like, yo, tomorrow's movie night. And I love going to the movies, man. Fridays. It's like, I'm not dead coming into my weekend. I'm, I'm thrilled. Cause I know we're going to like go out and have some fun and we're bringing fun. Oh, fun friends are coming with us. Like, Oh, we're going to like be cracking up and stuff. And like, um, and so when you have those plans to look forward, they're not just to do things. There are things you get to do. Like it's, it's like not a, a lamenting thing that to me has been really something that has altered my life. And will it will is a changing point that like life was not the same before and it will not be the same going forward. That's incredible. I, I love that. And I'm definitely going to be putting more focus into doing that myself and so again, I thank you so much for making the time to come share so much awesomeness and inspiration with the listeners and listeners and viewers. There's really only one logical thing you can do after hearing all this. If you've made it this far, it's definitely if you're watching on YouTube to like, subscribe, hit the bell icon. But then it's immediately to go check out The Real Rap with Reynolds. Check out the Sunday Night Teacher Talk podcast. Check out his book, Teacher Class Off. Just Join the Facebook community. Just be around this this man, this amazing person who is sharing so much with the world. And that's all there is to it. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for your time, Mr. Reynolds. And I hope to have you on again in the future. Anytime, man. You let me know. All right. Take care, everybody. 